Esmeralda Duffus Zegers has worked at the premium outlets in Allen for the past seven years. She was at work Saturday when a single gunman opened fire outside her place of employment. It's surreal. It's like, it, I know I went through it, but at the same time, when I see things on TV, I, I can sort of not associate it, but still associate it. While most watch the events in Allen unfold Saturday from afar, the experience for those who were inside was very different. And Zeger says she's left trying to fill in the gaps of what she couldn't see. The news can show it. The cameras that were up in the air can show it. But I can't talk about it because I was in a little room in the back of my store. She says the traumatic experience has brought up feelings regarding the loss of her mother last year. It's a kind of grief that mental health experts describe as having multiple layers. It may even trigger other previous memories of losses and feelings of um, sadness and anxiety and anger. And once again, going back to that, making sure you feel your feelings and talking about it rather than hiding and isolating. The impact is also felt for business owners in this shopping area, located just across the street from the outlet mall. As some employees immediately told their bosses they weren't coming back to work. It's sad that it affects so many people that weren't even here when it when it happened. With the obvious looming question of what comes next, Zeger says self-care is important, but so is caring for others, including the other people who she was working with on Saturday. We're keeping touch and we're making sure that if anybody needs right now, Father God, to talk or something like that, that we have each other. And Alan, I'm Stacia Wilson. More than half of Americans work from home, either some days or every day. And that has left many corporate towers and office spaces empty. NPR's Arazu Rizvani visited one block of downtown Los Angeles. These are pandemic shoes. For the last few years, 80-year-old James Wallace Sears has kept a collection of what he calls pandemic shoes. Drawers full of heels, boots, loafers, all dropped off at his shoe repair shop here in downtown Los Angeles back in 2020 and long forgotten. You know, they were here pre-pandemic and they've never picked them up. These shoes mostly belong to lawyers, consultants and financial advisors. They used to leave their broken souls with Sears in this underground plaza before heading to work above ground in nearby corporate towers. That all stopped when Sears shut down his shop for more than a year because of the pandemic. When he reopened, he thought he'd see them all again, but... But uh, I'm very slow, but uh, hey, you got to start sometime if you want to try to make the comeback. So here I am, waiting and hoping the customers come back. Now here's the thing. Above ground on this Thursday afternoon, a lot of white-collar workers seem to be here at work. So it's lunchtime. People have come out of these high-rise buildings. Many are having lunch with colleagues. Some are taking calls. Others are in line for coffee. And I got to say, it looks pretty busy. But Kayla Brown, a barista at the coffee kiosk, tells me it's not always bustling like this. Most people are only here Tuesday through Thursday, gone Mondays and Fridays. Yeah. 
Many companies here have pumped the brakes on a full-bore return to the office. With high inflation, climbing interest rates, and tightening credit from recent banking turmoil, companies are assessing whether they need all that pre-pandemic office space at all, says Kenneth Rosen, chair of the real estate research firm Rosen Consulting. The typical building has about half the number of people in it as they normally do. So companies, when their leases are up, they're cutting back their uses of space. And so leasing for office buildings has been very weak. So weak that about one-fifth of office space across the country is sitting empty. That's even more than the vacancy rate following the 2008 financial crisis. Rosen worries that if companies continue to give up their leases, those who own these office spaces won't be able to collect rent and make good on their loans. Because of this, I'd say the number one implication is going to be defaults and foreclosures. Those foreclosures could really hurt small banks that are often behind many of these loans, which is why Rosen says the office space sector, with so much money tied up in outstanding loans, may be the next shoe to drop. And it's a big one. It's about a $1.2 trillion shoe that's going to drop. That is one shoe cobbler James Wallace Sears hopes he'll never have to see. But that hope is fading day by day. I've had some feelers out to different customers, and they, they, some of them say they're not going to come back. If they come back, it may be only three days a week. So, I don't know. Sears says at that rate, his little shop, which his father opened 50 years ago, might be out of business by year's end. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Arizu Resvani, NPR News, downtown Los Angeles. This week ends with good news about the U.S. jobs market. The economy added more than a quarter million jobs in April. The unemployment rate matched its lowest level in 54 years. What's the bad news? Well, many people are still working from home. What's bad about that? Offices are sitting empty. Companies are giving up their leases. And that could be trouble for banks, especially regional ones. NPR's Arezu Rezvani joins us. Thanks so much for being with us. It's good to be with you. How are we defining the number of offices that are, what's the phrase, sitting empty? Well, with so much remote work still going, the typical office building has about half the number of people they normally do. And so companies, against this backdrop of high inflation, climbing interest rates, and tightening credit from recent banking turmoil, they're shedding a lot of office space. The commercial real estate firm Cushman and Wakefield estimates that almost 20% of office spaces are vacant across the country right now. And that's a real milestone. It's greater than what we saw during the 2008 recession. And in some cities, the vacancy rate is much worse than that. In San Francisco, for example, where a lot of tech companies have really embraced remote work, the vacancy rate there right now is about 30 percent, which is a big problem for banks. Why banks in particular, in, in addition to real estate companies? Well, if companies continue to give up their leases, analysts worry that those who own these office spaces won't be able to collect rent and make good on their loans from the banks. Many of those loans are coming due this year and next year. And for building owners to refinance now when interest rates are so much higher than when they took those loans out initially, you know, they're going to feel the squeeze. I asked Kenneth Rosen, chair of the real estate research firm Rosen Consulting Group, about this, and he didn't beat around the bush. I'd say the number one implication is going to be 
defaults and foreclosures. Now, here's the thing about defaulting on those loans. The bulk of the $1.2 trillion in outstanding office space debt, it's owed to smaller regional banks, which, as we know, have been in the throes of some turmoil lately. Here again is Rosen on that point. Regional banks, they may face, again, issues uh, where their capital will be eroded by these losses that may make them not as profitable or even not viable. So upshot is these regional banks are very exposed to swings in the office space sector and could take a real hit should offices remain empty. The way you explain it, uh, Arizu, they're really vulnerable right now. Yeah, that is true. I mean, analysts are talking about this as possibly being the next shoe to drop. Could this fallout go beyond banking? Well, you know, it certainly seems like the era of hybrid work is here to stay. Workers and employers have adjusted, and with so much economic uncertainty, companies appear reluctant to declare a full-bore return to the office anytime soon. Now, because of this, uh, we may continue to see high vacancy rates that have already altered the ecosystems of cities. I talked to a longtime owner of a shoe repair shop here in downtown Los Angeles the other day in the financial district. His customers have long been lawyers or consultants who used to work in some of these corporate buildings. Because so many of them still work from home, it's taken a huge bite out of his business, and he's not sure he'll survive much longer. Many convenience stores, dry cleaners, restaurants, they're in the same boat because this return to the office everyone assumed was coming hasn't really come. NPR's Arazu Rezvani, thanks so much for being with us. You're welcome. We want our money. Those are chants from content moderators in Kenya. They're the people behind your social media feeds and AI tools like ChatGPT, monitoring what gets posted online. And although it's a critically important job, they are paid a pittance. Earlier this month, more than 150 workers joined together to form Africa's first content moderators union. Tevin Brownie is one of them. We've reached him in Nairobi. Hello. Hi. How are you, Mark? I'm doing very well, and I'm and I'm happy to talk to you today. Trevin, help me understand a little bit more about your job and your working conditions. What what was it that pushed you to join this union? Okay. Um, first of all, I'm a Facebook content moderator. So what the job basically entails, we filter out the Facebook platform. That means that we take off any form of abusive content that violates policies such as bullying and harassment or hate speech or violent and graphic content, suicides, you've got child pornography, uh, you've got gangs, cartels, dangerous organizations, individuals, terrorism. So our job basically is to make sure that Facebook users across the world does not get exposed to such type of content. So we make sure that the platform is cleansed from all the type of content that would violate these type of policies. That sounds like it could be traumatic work. It is traumatic. Um, I've seen very disturbing images. I've been in the job for almost four years now. When it comes to, for example, child pornography, 
it is inhumane imagery of videos that we have to look at to make sure of the age categories, if it's child exploitation or if it's an adult and, and if it's a normal pornographic movie or scene. Um, I've seen more than 500 beheadings on a monthly basis. Um, speaking of capital punishment, murders, I'm speaking of countries that had war. Uh, quite recently, last year, we had the war between Ukraine and Russia. And those type of images we had to fold out to make sure that Facebook users across the world does not get exposed uh, to the graphic side of what happens on the ground and what people actually do to people. As I mentioned in the outset, you've joined this union. You, you, you described in detail about the sort of the graphic nature of your job. What is it you need? What is it you're looking for to help improve your working conditions? Uh, the first thing that I would like in place is actually professional uh, psychiatric. Basically, we would like professional psychiatrists to be on the job that would know how to deal with people that is constantly exposed uh, to this type of content instead of your normal wellness counselors who doesn't actually understand the nature of the content. Uh, secondly, I feel like this is a new type of job. It hasn't even been open for more than five years, content moderation. It's basically a new title that, that entered into the the digital or technological world. So I feel like the policies that's written to protect these type of employees should be re-looked at and redrawn up based on the type of work they do. This is a unique job. It's basically the future when it comes to social media and platforms. That is how the world connects. So this union would serve basically as a party to protect the rights of these employees to proper labor practices, to proper mental health, and also to find or train the right type of people that should be allowed to do this type of work. You know, like I said, it's not for anyone. And, so, and are you, yeah. Trevin, are, are you well compensated for your job? Um, you're saying $2 an hour. <laughs> so I, I personally, I would not think this job is well compensated, uh, specifically in Kenya, Nairobi. I've been earning $2 an hour since I started working here. That would add up to about 60,000 shillings monthly. They add an out-of-country allowance for expatriates of 20,000 shillings. So it totals to 60,000. So your basic salary is 40,000 and for only expatriates, they add the extra 20,000. After an almost 30% ratio of tax, I would come home with about 49,000. 49,000 shillings, it's just enough to keep me by, living paycheck to paycheck, basically. You mentioned making $2 an hour, which I, I find quite surprising to hear. How does that compare to what someone in a Western country might make for doing the same job? One of the main reasons why we even started questioning our salaries of $2 an hour, research and rumors since 2019 has been given that other moderators around the globe, specifically Facebook moderators, has been earning $20 an hour. And whereas we've been earning $2 an hour, we've got colleagues who's actually reached out via social media to a couple of moderators globally and this information was confirmed like when we asked them so from rumors we started believing and started questioning um 
So we believe that we deserve to be compensated more than what we were being given. And prior to forming this union, what kind of response had you gotten from companies about your concerns over pay, over working conditions and such? One of the most common responses that we received here in Kenya and Nairobi was that our current salaries, it was aggressive in the current salary market across Kenya. In other words, what they tried to enforce is that we were one of the, the 10 highest paying jobs in the country. That was what we were mostly told, is that our salary was market-related and it was actually aggressive compared to other salaries within the same position. So even though we thought it was a bit unfair, the fact that we're not doing the same work as whoever we were being compared to, or the fact that we were expatriates from another country, we had to just accept what we were what we were told at the time. Trevin, it sounds like you've got a lot of work ahead of you, so I, I wish you well and um, take care of yourself. Thank you so much for this call. Trevin Brownie is a member of the newly formed African Content Moderators Union. Well, in a statement, Sama, the company that subcontracts work to Trevin and other content moderators, says in part, quote, we recognize that content moderation is a tough job and we have paid wages that are four times the minimum wage and two and a half times the living wage in Kenya. We care deeply about the health and emotional well-being of our team, end quote. Sonam Jindal studies the labor and economy of AI for the nonprofit organization Partnership on AI. The group published guidelines on what companies should do to better equip employees doing this work. We'll reach Sonam in San Francisco. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. You listened to Trevin as he outlined the challenges of his job, the trauma that's baked into his job, and the fact that he feels he's just not being properly compensated. What what do you think about his his story and his working conditions? I think it's unfortunately very, very common, and I'm very excited, though, by um, his efforts and others' efforts to form a union and start raising that conversation and standing up for other content moderators and data enrichment workers across Africa. I think it's a big um, uh, step forward, but there's a lot more to be done and them sharing their stories is certainly very, very powerful. Meta, which the owners of Facebook, they've reported sales last year of $28 billion. Their stock is soaring. Why is it that workers are getting paid $2 an hour? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um, so I think part of the problem potentially in the industry overall is that data is sometimes an afterthought. If you talk to uh, engineers, they obviously know that uh, AI algorithms, machine learning algorithms require significant amounts of data, but it's sort of the unsexy part of AI development, right? It's not as exciting. And so the goal is let's build the algorithm, let's get it to market, let's make everything shiny and beautiful and work and data is sort of a means to that end, or it's treated as a means to that end. Um, where I think we need to shift to a situation where we see that actually that is central to AI development and we need to be paying more attention to it and thinking about all the downstream impacts, right? And central to that is the impact on humans who are absolutely critical to making sure that data is actually usable to build accurate, precise AI algorithms. 
I'm learning about this as we talk about this. Yeah. And, and we think when we think about the, these AI engines and the, the data enrichment, we're, we're always thinking of machines. And it's mm-hmm. important for us to be talking about having this conversation to talk about this, the human cost to keep AI engines running. And, and just tell me about how labor intensive this is. Yeah, it is incredibly labor intensive, right? So at a high level, a lot of AI algorithms and machine learning algorithms require massive amounts of data. That data is often unstructured or unusable as is. And so it requires people to go through and look at that data and use their human intelligence. So I think a lot of the narrative, as you correctly pointed out, is around AI is so great, we've made these technological advances, And there are advances, but those advances are based off of human labor and input. And I think we need to recognize how important they are. So we have people who are looking at individual pieces of data, and that's a lot of data, and using their human judgment and knowledge and training and their lived experiences to analyze data and label it so that it can be used. And it's incredibly challenging work as well. You have to, I mean, depending on the context, you need specialized information or training. And as Trevin was pointing out, there's a psychological cost to looking at certain types of data. And at the end of the day, without that human labor, we wouldn't be able to have data that could be used to train AI models. Well, in the case of chat GPT, because everyone's talking about this now, can can mm-hmm. you explain to me the, the, the role that, that people play when I'm asking ChatGPT to write a poem about my cat, who's behind that? What, what's the human component of that? In a situation where you are prompting any sort of chat or search function that uses AI, an algorithm on its own may not know what is a poem or what is a cat. So data that it's being trained on needed to have been classified by people. And the other thing is, sometimes results from AI algorithms may not be entirely accurate. And so in the cases where it's not accurate, humans can go back and look at it and say, why wasn't it accurate? What needed to have actually been outputted as a result to this prompt? Or if the poem that's generated is toxic, that's not a good user experience for uh, for you as the prompter. And so there are people who are looking at prompts to make sure that the results are actually accurate. So there's a, a lot of human judgment that goes into something like that. How does contracting out of this work contribute to the problem? Does does that create sort of a plausible deniability for companies to take any responsibility for the the working conditions that that these people are living through? Yeah, I think the part of what makes this industry a little bit complex and difficult is because there are so many different actors involved. It kind of leads to a situation where there's limited transparency around who is actually accountable uh, at a given point. And so I think part of what we can do is try to create more transparency around what harms are being caused and by whom and more reporting needs to happen. But certainly part of the challenge right now is that there are so many different actors involved in this ecosystem who all have a role to play in impacting the conditions of workers. And and what regulations, if any, exist to hold those companies accountable for work-related issues uh, if they are outsourcing and contracting out? 
So at the moment, there is not a whole lot of regulation. And as Trevin pointed out, this is a new job. Um, and, you know, it looks like a lot of other jobs that we've seen before, but it is quite unique also. And so we need to be thinking about it more proactively. And I'd urge policymakers to start thinking about this labor market because there's potential for this job to be, you know, there's a lot of narrative around how AI is going to be displacing jobs or replacing jobs. And while that's certainly true, there's also this new job that's being created. And we have the opportunity to make this a high quality job. And I think that more actions by policymakers and civil society and unions can put pressure on the ecosystem to shape this job into a high quality job. Yeah, a partnership on AI, your group has issued guidelines for companies to follow to improve working conditions. What What are you hoping that these companies will do? So we're hoping that more companies will adopt those guidelines and introduce um, transparency around how they're uh, treating data enrichment workers downstream. I think the big thing, though, is that we want more people in the industry to be proactively thinking about the human cost um, and the human workers that are critical to any AI advances. What role could consumers play in that? Because it's up, if it's up to industry, and right now industry isn't regulated, and, it, and, and according to some of these workers are not taking care of them, what about consumers? Do they have a role in this? Um, I mean, the first thing is that I think it would be really helpful for more consumers to be um, uh, informed about the production process. And I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, similar to other industries where people became more concerned about uh, downstream impacts, such as like in the garment industry and manufacturing industry around workers' uh, treatments across the globe, um, I'm hoping that as people get more informed, they'll become more vocal as well around uh, the treatment of data enrichment workers and advocate for their policymakers to step up and start um, prioritizing this as an issue that deserves uh, attention and, and our consideration. Do you, do you have hope now that, that things will improve after you hear a story like Trevin's happening in 2023? I do, actually. I think it's exactly actions like Trevin's and the, the union that's formed that give me hope, that make me really excited. I think that we are still in sort of the early stages of understanding the full cost um, to humans. And understanding AI as a society and how it's being developed. And I'm hopeful that as more people speak up, um, we're going to be able to change things. And I'm seeing more attention on this topic from uh, the OECD and ILO and others and journalists like yourselves. And I'm um, excited to see where it goes and, and we'll just keep pushing forward. Well, I appreciate your time to talk about this today, Sonam. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sonam Jindal is the AI labor and economy lead at the nonprofit group Partnership on AI. She was speaking to us from San Francisco. Across the sea, I suppose they're free. I suppose they're free outside of this place. Known as Chicago. Chicago. Known as Chicago. Known as Chicago. 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 What you doing to me, Chicago? When Walmart closed down four stores in Chicago last weekend, workers got just a few days' notice. Now, some are scrambling to find new jobs. And others hope transferring to another Walmart won't result in more store closings down the road. WBEZ's Esther Yunji Kang has the story. 
Lupe Garcia worked at the Walmart in Chicago's Kenwood neighborhood. She came here from Florida last year to help put her sister through college. But now, after the store closing, Garcia's not sure that Walmart can provide the stability she needs. How can I trust that they're not going to close the next Walmart I move into if they already shut down or Walmart? The company said theft is one of the reasons it closed stores. Garcia agrees. She says a lot of the theft happened at the self-checkout lanes. In our location, we only have two registers where we have people. If they could just put two rows of self-checkouts and put more registers where people are actually at, it would definitely decrease the theft. She says her job was to monitor those self-checkout lanes, and it would often be tricky confronting people who were suspected of not scanning all their items. We sometimes don't approach the situations when those people are being aggressive towards us. It was Walmart's idea. They took the initiative to get rid of cashiers, also because of a pandemic. That's why they went self-checkout. But that was just a, a negative impact by putting the self-checkout. They could have done the research a little bit better. That's Christian Armendariz. He's an organizer with the Little Village Community Council. He's in touch with workers from the neighborhood market there that also closed last weekend. The workers are outraged. They don't want to commute X amount of miles more to go to work. Armendari says some workers have told him they signed papers saying they would not talk to the media about the closings. Walmart is not talking to the media either. WBEZ reached out to the world's largest retailer to ask how many Chicago employees lost their jobs and how many slots were available at other Walmarts nearby. A spokesperson would not send those numbers, but said in an email that 35% of hourly employees from the four locations have already accepted roles in other stores. On the last day that the Walmart neighborhood market was open in Kenwood, a steady stream of customers came in and shopped the still full shelves of the store. I met Paris Walters. She's worked at Walmart for seven years and at the Kenwood location for three. She lives about a seven-minute drive from the store. It's my neighborhood, you know. It's sad. I hate to see it go. Walters says Walmart has offered to pay workers through August 11th. She hopes to switch to the location in Evergreen Park, but is worried about what that will look like. Just leaving one Walmart and just going right to another one, it's, it's man-boggling because you have to deal with new people. You know, it's, it's a lot. You don't know how they go treat you. You know what I'm saying? It's not guaranteed hours. It's a lot. When you used to having normal, what you at. For now, she plans to take advantage of the extra weeks of pay and take the next month to spend time with her daughter. Esther Yunji Kang, WBEZ News. The man, race, race, class, class genre, genre, and the dilemmas of black manhood. Well, it was an active shooter drill that triggered so much fear and confusion at a children's psych hospital in Northville. A local four investigation first obtained police body cam video and 911 calls that uncovered how the unannounced drill went so terribly wrong. And now one of the employees who was asked to play the role of a shooter is filing a lawsuit against the state. Karen Drew is here with us now. And Karen, he says he never should have been asked to do that. The more we learn, Kim and Devin, the more disturbing the story gets. Brandon Woodruff today talked to us while this drill happened back in December, he's still recovering from it. He says he was ordered to walk the halls of Hawthorne Center, playing a horrifying role that has traumatized him in ways he says his employer, the state, has yet to even acknowledge. I know I'm the one that almost got killed, but I'm honestly more concerned about the kids and how them other staffers feel, because for that moment, they was afraid of me. 
And that's not a good feeling to have no matter what. Brandon Woodruff had been working in the psych hospital's maintenance department for just a few months when he says he was told he was needed to walk the hospital halls, playing the part of an armed intruder for a drill. He says he sensed right away something was off. I remember walking and I see and I seen it barricaded and it and it was the way that it was barricaded. That that's what kind of like it kind of like shook me because it was. It was like you could almost tell it was a frantic barricade. The nightmare for Brandon began when he stepped outside the hospital where dozens of police were there. I'm seeing cops, but it's still like not processed. I'm just like, okay, what's going on? It was at that point when I still like keep, they still giving us commands and I don't, I don't see the other gentleman and I'm just up there on the ramp by myself. I just got down because I'm at that point. I'm like, I don't want, I can hear they agitated and I, the cop, it was a woman's voice, and I still, I will always remember her voice to this day when she gave me commands. Stand up slowly and put your hands on top of your head facing me. Okay. Do it now. All I hear is clicks from guns. I'm like, okay, they took the safety off. This is, now it's go time. He believed he was going to die just for doing his job on a day he says changed his life. But he says the way he was treated afterwards was even more painful. Yeah, I don't, my life has been hit, sucked since that day. Like coming to work every day, and it hurts my, I'd be sick to my stomach coming in. And then I gotta pretend like I'm happy there. And then I still gotta get treated bad because everybody just hit. It's so hard for him to share the story. You can tell he's yeah, still emotionally. Emotional he does obviously feel horrible about, horrible about his part in the drill. And he says he was really worried because he was told to play this role to these traumatized children. They're already vulnerable at Hawthorne Center Psych Hospital. The Michigan Department of Health and Human Services sent us a statement that says, in part, it understands patients, staff, and community were affected by this incident in December. You can see their full statement and all my reports on the drill on clickondetroit.com. And I've been following with the state saying, you know, so what does your investigation show? And they still don't have a full report, which, oh, yeah. I mean, but your heart breaks for yeah, him. For all this him. Time. He yeah. still has a hard time, you know, yeah. telling that story. This is not the first lawsuit either filed over right. this incident. No, we talked yeah. to one dad who had an 11-year-old son there who was already traumatized. He filed suit, uh, former employees, parents of children who were in the hospital at the time. They have filed suit against the state and some specific employees who called for the drill and a reminder it's the state who runs this hospital right. so it was the state yeah. who told them to do this to these kids yeah. so still confounding yeah the the worthless coon from Virginia worthless Negro switch this from <laughs> desperate coon worthless Negro from Virginia at one point in my life I was timid about saying white people do not care about children. Mm. At this point, like, hey, whatever, man. Context of white supremacy. White people do not care about children. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system 
of white supremacy. Why is that important that white people don't care about children? If you're a parent, it should be self-evident, right? Send your child to school and all the rest of it, pediatrician, all the rest of it, soccer coach, swimming coach, gymnastics coach, should be self-evident, right? You have children, period, even if you homeschool them and everything else. Major concern. If you don't have children, what sort of people do you want to have in charge of the planet? They don't even care about their own children and they brag about their lack of concern. Well, why? I'm sure some of the children at that psych ward in Michigan, I'm sure some of them were white. I could be wrong about that, but I'd be willing to bet a few nickels. At least one or two of them were white. That wasn't constructive for them. White people don't care about children. Statement, either it's true or not. I would say in terms of evidence, Jesus, Lord, the cup runneth over metaphor. Neutralizing workplace racism. I didn't even discuss that aspect of the report. Friday, May 19, 2000. 23 so I have been told not for spectators this here broadcast make sure I get in Jim Brown the late just passed away lots of stories of workplace racism for Mr. Jim Brown played at a time when they didn't even allow too many black males to play professional football brain damage so but passing away at the age of 87 and then we heard that clip on Walmart that we'll get to I'm always obligated John Crawford III. I know his father would want us to make sure we include his name anytime Walmart gets mentioned. John Crawford III. Let's see. Uh, Not for spectators. Folks have commentary. Maybe you have been asked to play the terrorist intruder, disgruntled employee in the workplace. Or some other pretend role play tackiness uh, if you have one figured out they never to ask you to participate in such a drill they never hey we got this toy gun here we want you to run around act like you're gonna steal everybody's purse and wallet and rape all the women they never ask you to do anything like that you get normal appropriate competent training if there is going to be some sort of safety exercise or I mean hey they do have active shooter drills I think our caller at the courthouse in Florida has told us about those that's great we need that right Columbine we need that but in a professional competent manner not to scare everyone to death so that we can learn what do we do under such conditions that's the way you're treated you get the course. They tell you that I think retired, I mean, not retired firefighter, but call in Florida. They do it correctly. Get an instructor, come in. This is what to expect. This is what to do. This is what not to do. Let's try one time just to make sure everyone has an idea of what to do. That's how they train you. That's the way your coworkers treat you. You get all of your compensation. You get all of your raises on time. If you need psychological counseling, it's offered no questions asked just fill out the paperwork let us know hope you're doing all right if that's the sort of work environment that you have found glory be to you 
let us know how you have done this what words did you use what did you say what did you not say the number six oh five three one three five one six four the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate number again white people do not care about children six oh five three one three five one six four the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate email is until justice at gmail dot com alrighty until justice at gmail dot com oops almost knocked that over alrighty uh I guess a few things before we get to the folks who dialed in emails, all that good stuff. Um, the first couple of clips that we heard, I even forgot about that one where they talked about down in Texas, the impact of businesses that were close to the proximity of the Allen shooting in Texas. And I had not really thought about that in terms of when they have these shootings all over the place, grocery stores and, shopping malls, schools, and all the rest of it, movie theaters. Uh, How does that impact the people, especially small businesses that are close by, whether employees are injured, whether they have to run and all of that. The segment that we heard, this young lady, she said, man, I don't even know because we were hiding. It's like, man, we heard that before. We're just one year out, Buffalo Tops. We had fragrance Harris Stanfield on the program. She said the same thing. We're out hiding. Ran for our life, scurried to the back, hiding in the closet room. That's why I said, like, that's no joke. Like, having those active shooter drills, what to do? How do we get out of here? I said last week, pause just because we were talking about this. I brought this up with regards to uh, footwear. And I said, for everybody, males, females, children, everybody, uh, my suggestion for the workplace because you might have an Allen, Texas situation, Columbine, you had teachers and faculty working there, cafeteria workers and the like, whatever, disgruntled employee, widespread. My suggestion, wear shoes if you need to. Pick up the pace, run maybe, walk at a brisk pace. You can do so with no fear you're going to lose your shoes, footing, anything like that. Fragrance Harris Stanfield, she told us when they were trying to run out of that tops last year, <clears throat> she said she fell and her shoes came flying off trying to get out of there. She got back to her feet, scurried up, got out of there. She said she didn't even have shoes on when she got out. I said, man, I didn't even think about the top situation as workplace racism. Duh, but it certainly would have to be. Aaron Salter Sr. would certainly say that for sure. And many others. We talked to some of the victims. Um, 
if you are in a workplace you want to make sure you have shoes on you have no worry if you have to pick up the speed run maybe jog you can do so with no worry that you're going to slide fall shoes come flying off i would say for the workplace this is not the time for sandals i know it's about to be summertime and what it meant it's 80 degrees here in seattle like it's been crazy we've had record temperatures record heat for a week even under these conditions i would not wear crocs unless you're like a lifeguard or something you're working out at the lake that type of thing unless you have that sort of job or at a pool indoor pool something like that if you're at an office or what have you i wouldn't care if it's 100 degrees you work in the desert no crocs no sandals i don't care you got all of your pedicures you have been doing it up you have got the peppermint scrub you are ready to show off open toe sandals every day and and i would not do that do that on your free time stunt on everybody on the weekend workplace you want to have shoes just in case hopefully it will never happen i said last week about heels i would not wear heels at all i said if you wear them kick them off you're already prepared i can kick these off in 30 seconds wrong there could be glass there could be other hazards on the floor where you need your shoes on the plan cannot be unless you've got another pair of shoes there now i do know people even in my family they would take two pairs of shoes they would have on sneakers or what shoes where they could run to save their life easily and then they would have their cool, you know, I got my pedicure, I got to show my cuteness, all that. Got it, got it, okay. But they take two pairs. That is still something to consider because, hey, you might not have time and or access to get your other shoes. Fragrance Harris Stanfield, she couldn't even get her phone. Things happen so quickly. It might be literally you have five seconds to run to save your life. You don't have time to switch shoes you don't have time to switch clothes you don't have time for all of that you have five seconds to make a decision are you going to live or die i'm saying you want to eliminate as much from that equation as possible so wear shoes everybody if i need to if today is the day i know i can sprint get out of this place no problem I don't have any sort of concern about, you know, whatever. And I'm not kicking my shoes off like there could be glass, whatever, on the floor. Who knows? Shrapnel. Who knows? Anarchist cookbook. Addendum to last week. No hazardous shoes for anybody. <clears throat> uh, let's So the shooting impact of shootings on businesses. I'd never even considered that directly. Uh, they had two different reports talking about the continued working from home and how that's impacting vacancies of office space everything that they talked about super happening right here in seattle they have lots of the tech industry first amazon headquarters is here and microsoft and all the rest of it downtown has been literally uh, a ghost town since march 2009 they shut things down here so it started there and it just has not resumed to what it was before and i mean everything that they said dry cleaners closing down and that sort of thing uh, it even started with the dry cleaners they were open I think like three days a week 
And I said, oh, yeah, people, they're not going back to work. I'm going to be at the Jeffrey Tubin. Larry told us I'm going to be at home in my footies, pajamas, five days a week. You know, they're going to have to drag me out of these pajamas and make me come into work one day, maybe two days. You even heard that. I said, man, we are in here Tuesday through Thursday, if that. The rest of the the tumbleweed, they still got that rolling through? Nobody's here, man. Like, never going back, at least for the end of it. They said, white collar workers when they were talking to old James Wallace Sears now, I didn't have an image but man I had so many images when I went to uh, <clears throat> Virginia at the airport in Richmond they have a <clears throat> shoe shine stand and I think it's operated by a black male and I mean that is this you know Dixieland racism white supremacy plantation times uh, as you can get uh, with a black person shining shoes and what have you now i mean hey everybody has to have employment on the plantation and what have you that's what you do i think they said that business has been there for decades like way longer than i've been alive i was gonna say longer than the cows has been operation for sure but i mean like longer than i've been alive i think that stand has been there so i mean wow uh now put that in context you know eliminate stand shoe shine stand or cobbler shop on a plantation just saying uh so <clears throat> mr sears is talking about hey we might be out of business if you know the white collar white workers are working from home and all the rest of it and nobody's coming. they didn't even come back to get their shoes you know i'm sure these were not two dollar shoes or what have you that they came to get refitted and what have you so they can go out and look fly at work i i'm cool i don't I don't have any intention of wearing that anyway. You can keep it, man. Keep it, mister. That's a memento to all of your hard work. Mm -hmm. But they're going through the same thing right here uh, in Seattle. I suspect many other places. I also suspect that this is super disproportionately people classified as white uh, who are chilling at home. I don't, I mean, I've heard from a few of our listeners and such who have had that option, uh, maybe more than a few. Definitely a few, definitely a few, not unanimous, but man, disproportionate number of white people chilling, doing the Jeff Tubin over the last three, three and a half years now, not going back. Uh, let's see the, <clears throat> the content moderators. Oh, can I pause? Can I pause just to make sure I don't forget, man, two times that moron. He said, <clears throat> he said, White people don't care about children. You say, why does that GMO coon? Why do you keep saying that? You said that at the beginning. Why do you keep saying that? Because when we got to Trevon out in Kenya, that's one of uh, President Obama's cousins, maybe. You think Trevon is, is one? Never mind. Uh, when they got to talking to the content moderators union folks out in Kenya land, they said a part of what they are requesting, oh, Mark Zuckerberg and Meta, they want psychiatric counseling. What do you need psychiatric counseling for? Oh, we got to watch all these dastardly videos. Take things down. We got that old GMO coon Gus out here posting about Mayor Lucas being called a nigger. We got to take that down. And we got all these beheadings, you know, we got the the conflict in Ukraine, they got the war and what have you, so they post all these vile images, and we got all this child pornography. Oh, 
what I said. I said, my cup floweth over. That's not even why I played that, but that's two times. White people do not care about children. Who's posting these images, I wonder? Hmm. You think it's Jeffrey Epstein? Is there Anyway. So they have outsourced all this work because I'd heard that before. That was not news to me per or, or components of it were not new to me. We had Judith Reisman. She was a guest on our program way back 2010, stand by our work. And she talked about how people who work for enforcement agencies, the FBI and what have you, they have breakdowns as a result of watching child pornography and all of this uh, illicit sexual content dark web as they call it should be the white web and they acknowledge they have to have psychiatric counseling you can only watch so much of this before it starts to have an impact on you this is well documented probably why Facebook outsourced that to the Negros in Kenya are we supposed to empathize with them is this one of those we're supposed to be like you know hey y'all are you know, I don't get down with obesity, and you all were not born here. You know, we are African-Americans and, you know, whatever. You all have to work that out how you work it out. And, you know, we got to deal with is that I don't know if that's what we're supposed to do. But I told you from my perspective, system of white supremacy, racism, Negras is Negras. I can see why they would outsource and then outsource this toxic work, moderate all of this racist vile child pornography content and give you $2 an hour. I said, dang, the other folks who get this job, they're making like 20 and, and what have you. We make $2 an hour and no counseling. Dang. <laughs> what? Man, like what, what is that for? They got a, they got, they make so much money all the dough that they've raked in and what have you and, and we can't even correctly compensate these folks say so we gotta live paycheck to paycheck man hmm hmm heard that one before Negras is Negras. uh let's see they we heard about the role of how AI you need people like this to develop all of the AI they did have the I didn't hear about that component when they were in Congress this week talking about regulations for artificial intelligence they did include this week that oh yeah some of these uh, jobs are going to transition be phased out they had very soft sounding language like oh yeah a lot of these jobs will be disappearing won't need lots of these workers anymore evolving rapidly might need some oversight on all of this don't want this to get out of hand metaphor but yeah, I didn't hear the portion about the content moderators uh, and the folks suffering in Kenya this week. Maybe I missed it. Okay. We heard the segment about Chicago automation. They put in the Walmart. Now they're taking it away and they're blaming the Negras in the process saying the Negras are stealing. No count hoodlums. That is in the 10 stops. No stealing. And the folks, the people who work there, non-white, say, hey, there was theft. But they put in all of the uh, self-scan don't have you know as many registers where you can have an actual human teller they don't want to pay folks perhaps have more of the self-checkout and then people come in I talked about that before too if you're doing loss prevention like oh man how much am I supposed to risk for Walmart 
family dollar. I'm working a job. I can't do this work from home, right? I can't be in my footies on the sofa. And hey, did you? Wait a minute. Did you check everything there? Wait a minute. Let me see. You know, that's when I actually got to get up and come in and do all of this. And then people get huffy and get an attitude like, I paid for this nigger. You get out of my face. What do you want? Don't you talk? Like, uh oh. Uh oh. Now, am I willing to die? Make sure that they aren't stealing Snickers bars from Walmart. Hmm. They didn't do right by John Crawford III. I don't know. I don't know. But then they moved the store out. Now I'm working. They're like, man, now so do I get relocated? Do I lose my job? Like, come on. Come on. They had the disgruntled black male. He worked at Walmart for 12 years in Virginia. They called him the Black Jeffrey Dahmer. And then he carried out that shooting. That's what I said. We said that back then. Like, man, that is so lame. Like, I would not, I'm not justifying what he did at all, but man, I would not want to work. What is that? 12 years a slave? Jesus Lord. I'm at Walmart for 12 years and they call me Black Jeff Dahmer? That is enough to drive you crazy. Black male privilege. Uh, so they boot the folks out of Chicago. They just mess over black people in Chicago with stores, like every kind of way. Like, I wouldn't even want Walmart to be my only shop option. I wouldn't want that to be my only work option. And then they put the store there, remove all the others, and then take the Walmart out too. Like, come on, man. Final report. I didn't even intend to play either of those last two reports. I'd already made the segment, was happy, ready to roll. We can get to the callers, get to the people that emailed in. All good. Listener emailed me that last report. Brandon Woodruff, maintenance worker out in Michigan. Go Wolverines. He sends this to me. Now I'm looking at it. I didn't even catch, you know, that this is a black male. I'm just looking at reading the title like, man, they do this, what do you call it, prank? Stunt? At a child trauma ward? Like, who would do such a... Oh, white people do not care about children. Like, oh, I got it. I got it. I almost did the rewind, like, at a trauma ward? These are people, I mean, I don't know if that's physical trauma. Is that emotional trauma? Both. They're already sensitive. They need help. They need more help. And they're sitting around. You know what'll be funny? <laughs> we we get old Brandon. They said they go get the Negra from maintenance who's worked there a couple of months. He's new. He doesn't know anything. I'm just trying to make a good impression. I said most of the time, Brandon Woodruff and the rest of us, we are not out here stealing. They didn't say that he came in trying to steal all the boxes on his day off. They didn't say that he came in trying to steal their whole supply of Ozempic, selling it out of the trunk of his car. They didn't say any of that. I've been here two months. I'm trying to do the best that I can, keep things clean, show up on time, do a good job, maybe get a raise. That's Mr. Woodruff. That's most non-white people in the known universe. Exception of the GMO coon, of course. Now, they go, they, who would do, who does this sound like? I'm going to go and get an employee that's brand new, no seniority, doesn't know anything. I can go grab him. Hey, get over here, Leroy. Look here. We're going to do this simulation. I want you to go and pretend to be a terrorist. You know, growl. And, Here's a gun. I want you to go around and just be 
menacing. You know, you can throw your shirt off, and, you know, if you got a ski mask, that'll be great, too, and just, you know, growl and knock over a few things, and you can kick a chair and, and do some profanity, you know, just, just really, you know, get in touch with your, your inner negro Tupacness, see, and come out and just, bam, let them have it. We're going to do our, our whole drill. Now, Mr. Woodrow, I've been working here too much. What? What? Now, I know power dynamics. A white man, even a white woman, comes out. They got a clipboard. They're in charge. They're wearing a suit, whatever. Power blouse. I'm ready to roll. Maybe they got the heels on, too. Mr. Woodrow, I'm just trying to make a good impression. What? You want me to do what now? Go out and run? Okay. You sure? Yeah, yeah, man. We planned to get out there and do it. Like I said, just pretend this is the Pac video. We're going to go out and we're going to reshoot and it's going to be great. We're doing the safety training. It's going to be great. Get out. Have fun. And they sit back. <laughs> Look at Leroy. <laughs> they sit back cracking up laughing. Mr. Woodruff, he said he goes out and he could see the fear. He said they didn't put barricades up. Even pause on that right there. You got people, I assume staff, children, traumatized children. They think this is real. They could have been injured trying to go and pick up a table. Who knows? Broke whatever. Holding scalding water. Pot of coffee. Got dropped. All of these things could have happened. This in the <laughs> Look at Leroy. <laughs> Rapist. Her, her. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> what? Why is that funny? Do you know how much I thought I'm an ignorant GMO coon. I told you. I thought you do the whole Hippocratic oath thing. Do no harm. Isn't that what's supposed to happen? You got children. Even you got white staff, right? You don't want them to get injured. What is this for? Is this supposed to happen in a hot? I could totally understand. We're at the Burger King. We're at the 7-Eleven. I get it. We do the pranks, whatever. We had too many Slurpees today. We got a sugar rush. I get it. You're at the hospital. Presumably somebody here had to go to medical school, college. What WTF, really? The police get called? Pause. I would not be surprised. I suspect because all of this sounds like exactly what I suspect. Why we have books and talk about racist jokes all the time. This sounds exactly like white racist culture. I would not be surprised if the same person who ordered Brandon Woodruff out to do this was the same person who called 911. Oh my God, we've got a loose Negro shooter. He's raping and killing. Oh my God. <laughs> we've got a Negro shooter. He's raping and killing everyone. Excuse me, I, just, I got choked. Sorry, sorry. We got a raping looter. He's looting. He's trying to steal the drugs. He's raping children. You got to get here right now. <laughs> I ain't about to shoot Leroy. <laughs> Why is that funny? You are wasting. Don't they have laws? They were doing all that tackiness about what they call uh, Karen laws. Man, this would be one. Somebody is getting charged. I wouldn't care if there were some people who were legitimately fooled 
They thought we have got a raping mad negra here. He's going to kill and rape children. Okay, somebody is getting charged. You wasted all this time. We got to come out here. We could have been practicing SWAT drills. We could have been at the gun range. We could have been swapping negra jokes. We got to waste time and come out here. Order this negra on the ground. Negra on the ground, negra. Get on the ground. Let me see your hands. Go through all of this for nothing. For you to be sitting in the back, giggling, snickering. This is funny. You have nothing else to do today. Know what I thought of while I was sitting at home this weekend? It'll be so funny. Black male privilege? Who wants to go back to this job? We do that on Monday. I'm supposed to go back on Tuesday. I do maintenance. I'm going to come in and and mop the floor. I'm going to come in with a spray gun. Try to buff the floor. Turn on the machine. They jump. Ah! (laughs) Flashbacks. You scared me, Leroy. Let me get my breath. He got flashbacks, too. Like, oh, my God, are they going to call the police? I'm going to have to jump face down on the pavement at gunpoint. He said, I'm hearing click, 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 click. All the whoops they have with negras. I got nervous. I thought he was raping children. I didn't know. What the, What does it mean to be white? Now, I mean, hey, I don't even know what to tell you. In that sort of situation... Uh, other than from the very beginning, I mean, hey, this is one of those, if it's your ball, if this is the person who hired Mr. Woodruff, who came and ordered him to do this, do you tell the person that you hired no? Unfortunately, for counter-racist logic, man, this might be one. There might have to be some situations where, hey, the job is unfortunately not the most important thing. Any sort of situation where you could die, I've talked about this under a safety rubric, this absolutely qualifies safety. I could die and someone else could get hurt. Like what, what, (laughs) what, what are you asking me to do? Can we go verify with some other folks to make sure that this is a safe way to proceed? Because this seems like this could be really dangerous to carry out. In a work, any work environment, much less a children's trauma ward. That is so disgraceful on every level. And I cannot emphasize enough. We've had so many people <clears throat> over the many years, even back before we had a separate broadcast for neutralizing workplace racism, who have talked about uh, the horseplay pranks all of that white people playing around in the work environment I cannot emphasize enough do not be a part of any of this and I mean not even a little bit I don't want to hear about it when you all go and pull off all of these hijinks and what have you I am not involved at all and I mean at all and I would even be questioning Is this safe for the work environment? 
Is this what we're being compensated to do? Running around playing pranks and throwing things on people and setting things up for something to be sabotaged so we can giggle about this and post this on IG? Like, really? That's what we're being paid to do? This is so widespread and the racism, with this right here, the racism set a black person up to be killed. And that's how I'm processing this. You are setting this black person up to be killed. Even if he wasn't killed, what if someone had mace? That's pretty common, right? People have that on their keys and all the rest of it. Some people have been trained to fight back. Hey, I think Michigan, that is the land Timothy McVeigh's homies hung out. They were trying to kidnap the white governor in Michigan. Mad about the Rona policy, man. They got open carry laws. What if somebody had been armed? They, don't even, they take that philosophy, man. I don't call no flipping John Law. Certainly not for one mouthy coon. I trained for this. I put a coon down easy. White people brag about this sort of thing, and particularly in states like Michigan and the state where I am. What if that had happened? Like I said, switch out the gun. Everybody got mace. What if he had just been mace? Like, oh, my God, raping Nick. Ah! Hey, Mace Leroy. <laughs> oh, we might need to call. Wait a minute. Uh-oh. Looks like he's in convulsions. Leroy. We were just joking, Leroy. Don't down us, Leroy. That is white culture. One big racist joke to waste. And, and I mean, really, what other work are you going to get done after you do that? That's how you start the day off. What else are you going to get done that day? And really, the rest of the week, because now we got all this paperwork to fill out about what happened on Monday. That's going to take up the rest of the week. And now they said, too, we got all these lawsuits. So, I mean, hey, rest of the year is taken up now. Got to be going to depositions and all the rest of it. Got to go testify, cross out all our dates for court. White culture, I can't say it enough. Do not participate in those pranks and what have you. That's such a big part of workplace racism. I'm not saying that you can never snicker laugh but I would never if it's some sort of office joke and eh, don't even come reputation don't even come and talk to me about that do not involve me about that you know I don't even think that's appropriate for the workplace white culture man uh, the number is 605 313 5164 the code 564-9 four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate again I don't really have a suggestion for that final uh, report that was just from a couple days ago I don't really have a suggestion other than black self-respect sometimes you had I mean hey it's way easier to say this if you don't have children it's just it's way easier say to say this than actually doing but sometimes hey you got to be willing to let that job go this is one you got to be willing to let that job go. See if you can get that in writing before you depart. You want me to do what? And this was the reason for my determina- uh, termination that I was determined I was not going to go out and terrorize my coworkers. Okay, no problem. And it might be a myriad of situations, maybe hopefully not as extreme as that, but yes, where you will need 
black self-respect to say no I'm not going to do this under no circumstances tell that one to your offspring as well very important very important all right let us see uh, number 605-313-5164 decode 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate you got to share that report with your offspring I said talking about uh, the workplace like that's the sort of report it would be mandatory especially if I had a black male child especially if I had a black male child because that's black male privilege right mm. uh, but you would have to share that sort of thing to make that a point any of us I myself as your attempted mother your attempted father I could be presented with a situation like this where they're putting my safety in jeopardy they're putting my life maybe in jeopardy why I might have to say no and risk my job you might be placed in that situation my child you are going to have to have the black and you might not have anybody there I might not be with you parents might not be with you siblings it might just be you you have to have enough black self-respect to say hey I am not going to do this but I would share these sort of reports with your children especially if they are of age to work big part of that not being surprised about things that happen in the workplace alrighty let's see folks who dialed in with a hand up line should be open proceed first few people that dialed in anyway can I be heard Bay Area mom still in bliss celebrating uh, our Bay Area scholars triumph and graduating she should have her chest out proud congratulations again totally chest out proud in real time um thank you for taking my call greetings to you all um the Walmart that that's that's what stuck in my head I, I'm sure there was other things but that's what stuck in my head um the moving the Walmarts then they 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 come and then they hire uh bad people and then they move and relocate and then you have to relocate as well um it's scary because they're probably going to make a little FEMA camp over there at that closed Walgreens or Walmart sorry because they're closing Walgreens too uh that's so scary um hmm anyway they do that here as well um they have those these people all these fat people and a lot of them are depending on the area um black and or white and fat so and it's a depressing environment they have we have fans club out here and um they're not as sad as the walmart uh maybe people should try to apply for sam's club this is a little more happier i guess i don't know because they didn't look as sad as Walmart so for them to be replaced I guess 
they have until they get the robots to do the stocking. So they probably would, the ones that are on the floor, will probably just do all that stuff on the floor, whatever it is they do, unload and, I don't know, maybe stock. And then they have those checkers, those robot checkers, those step checker things. And then they have one person to watch it. That's crazy. So she's got to watch it and make sure nobody steals. So can you imagine in a poor neighborhood and then here you come, my poor next-door neighbor trying to tell me not to steal, and then if she doesn't see whatever, the people that are taking stuff, she'll get in trouble because the cameras, of course, are watching. That's so weird. Um, Oh, poor thing. And then you're just doing this job because you got to get your sister through college. Those sad stories we have. I would never work at Walmart ever. It's a depressing, sad environment, and um, I don't even like to shop there because it's sad there. Um, I I I I don't know about um, us expecting or people expecting, you know, these companies, any company to guarantee you anything or you're going to keep moving. So even if that Walmart stayed open, they could just tell you they don't want you there anymore. So she could go to the next Walmart or transfer Walmart. And I get it too, because sometimes when you do come to another place, they will treat you funny and they won't give you the hours. And that's, that's awful too. So, Sorry. Um, my workplace racism. So I've been gone um, three days because I uh, I had to go. So, yeah, I had a ball. Um, I come back. Everybody's, you know, excited. Uh, the kids are excited. Uh, the para hadn't been there because her, her foot is... Um, she had tendonitis, she said, the doctor said, on her foot. So um, I, normally when one body isn't there, I kind of play the role as a para. <laughs> so I probably do it anyway all the time, but I, re- I really do it if there's one of the bodies, one of those two are not there. So when it's not a big deal for me. Um, so I'm being nice, Gus, I speak to the, to the para, and sometimes she speaks, and sometimes she doesn't, but that's okay, and just in case she can't hear me, I'll tap on the desk and say, hi, how you doing? Get that silence. No problem. (laughs) No problem. So, um... There's a white child in the classroom. He's been there since day one. Long, hippie hair. They used to call him a girl for at least six months. Um, I mean, kids, was she, she, why is he in the back? Boy, he's bad, you know, that kind of thing is always, wow. Um, he's, uh, he knows he's white. 
Um, he recently asked me what was racism. And I told him to ask his teacher. He definitely could have an answer for that. Um, his teacher is white because that's the teacher. He's white. He's a white male. Very, um... Mm, you, uh, how about a Malibu's most wanted? A beat, a Brad, beat Bradley. So, um, yeah. Um, it doesn't bother me. I, I can work well with him and a couple of other teachers. So, um, the Caucasian male, um, I guess, is noticing that he's uh, not being treated white enough <laughs> in there with all these non-white people. And the teacher is white. So sometimes if he doesn't want to do stuff, he'll act out and say no. A lot of times if things don't go his way, anything, he loses the game, he'll just fall out and start crying. Just, and he's really uh, uh, damsel in distress, you know, crying. <laughs> You know, it's, uh, so it's that kind of, you know, cry. So, um, and he'll do that until someone comes and, you know, you're going to do something because I'm going <laughs> to, you know, a lot of times it gets ignored. But um, the teach, uh, the teacher was asking him to do something. He just, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do it. And he just wanted to do stuff. And sometimes he does a lot of stuff to get other people's attention because he's rather awkward. So they'll, you know, deal with each other. Um, a lot of them are familiar with each other because they know each other from the year before or the year before that, you know, and he, he's just coming in um, this year, August, or this school year, August. He's 22. So, um, he, I guess in a lot of the crying, too, because he will break out in a boo-hoo-hoo and it's, <laughs> the guy's, oh, yeah, just a boy, right? Oh, so it, it weirds him out sometimes. So now he's, he totally doesn't listen. So my nerves, I'm real quick. I, I'm good until I'm not. I can only do it. You got to listen or we're, we're over. So that that's just me. I, so um, sometimes he'll say no, and I'm no problem. That's it. You know, I'm not to do for the rest of the day. You know, somebody else can, or however they do it, I don't through all that because in real reality I'm just really have to maintain this one gentleman in the class the rest is just extra so um, he just does all kinds of stuff to get extra attention so now the teacher has to like give him basketball let him you know play stuff and then sometimes if he doesn't want to do stuff he's not you know like he normally would be with him or the rest of the kids, he'll try to give them, you know, lots and lots of chances and, you know, come on, do this, come on, do, you know, come on, let's do this, okay, we're after this, this. Um, <laughs> he, he said, well, I noticed I haven't given him intention all year. So he totally just caters to the the boy. Um, and it's not a bother. Um, he does, he, he's, he's pretty good with all the children he doesn't um the one that gets the most attention are the ones that are closest to me and 
when I was away, I got a picture of one of the ones that stays with me consistently. Um, he's sitting in my chair, and the message was just like, you know, we just miss your energy. Yeah, we're holding it down, you know. We're good, you know, it's just your energy. And so he's sitting in my chair, but somehow or another, there's a desk now by my desk with the little white male sitting there. <laughs> and um, what else was it? Uh, he's sitting there. And you can see him in the picture glaring at the little Asian male <laughs> because he's sitting at my desk. Now, the, this particular male, he does get away with a lot of stuff because I, I know him. And I, I just, so he, he, very smart little kid, and I just enhanced that. So he totally spends a lot of time with me, and I totally rock his brain and um he's great so he spends he a lot of time with me because i allow him to be who he really is trying to be you know he's real techie real engineering so i just connect him with people that do things that he likes so um it works and so the teacher has also um appreciates how the young man operates so he's not as annoying as he would be if i didn't highlight his brilliance. So um, I'm sure he gets envy. So that picture showed me that he did. So um, at, when I got back, if I got back Tuesday and came to work, the little boy, you know, he's acting out. So I noticed that a lot because of the lot. All of the staff is white as well. So they kind of give him, they kind of make sure he's okay. You know, they <laughs> I, I noticed that, and um, him, um, him and the uh, para, they they tend to get into it. But she's noticing just to kind of just leave him alone because he's white, and they're gonna make sure he's okay. So um, that's all for me. Um, I will I, I I will mute my line and. Thank you for taking my call. Much obliged, uh, Bay Area mom. When you say that this little fella, the little white boy, that he knows he's white, what what exactly does he do or say? Like we got the tantrums, but I mean, you you said these are uh, emotionally challenged children, so many of them act out and throw tantrums and such. So what? What is it specifically about his conduct that lets you know, like, oh, yeah, he knows. I am a white boy, and that means something. He challenges everything the teacher says. He challenges anything anybody says. If you say anything to him, no, but this, no, but this, no, but this, no, but this, no, but this. And then everything that the teacher, it's him and the teacher. It's him and the teacher anytime there's uh, instruction. Yeah, I know that, but this, 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 this. Well, yeah, Gabe, blah, 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 blah. But well, I know that, but this, 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 this. So it's, it's just interesting how he, even with the white staff, they know he, he knows that he doesn't have to do anything versus everyone else. You know, he doesn't have to listen to anything. And he even told the teacher, you are not my mother. 
I don't have to listen to you. So he he knows. I I, I believe that's 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 just the attitude of the just just anything anything. He, and if he can't have what he wants, he just breaks out into a little girl uh, cry, and they figure out how to make him happy. Unlike anyone else, you got to go to the office or suck it up or however. But no. And then the challenge, he's challenging you because what are you going to do? I'm white, you're white. So that's how I got to, that's where I get that from. Okay. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, Non-white people are the only ones confused at a loss about what it means to be white um wow that is so fascinating uh that i would say for anybody man that is that is one that is great to be thinking on your feet if a child because my response and thinking would be totally different if a child asked that question as opposed to an older person what is racism like oh man man because that could be could be trouble uh, pending on the answer could even be a setup for trouble depending on the situation and all the rest of it Um, great job she says why don't you ask your teacher great job let them break it down explain it Um, yeah because I mean wow if a white person I'll say adult just for said that in a workplace situation I say oh yeah that's a setup that's like what we heard before with the pretend get this gun and go in here and pretend that you know you're going to rob it yeah 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 Um, it's the same type of thing they're trying like maybe they got a phone recorder maybe they got somebody who's listening and they're going to take this up to the CEO oh my goodness look we got all these woke employees trying to indoctrinate us telling us this is what racism is we better do like Hmm. Why are you even asking? That's what I'd be thinking. Like my response, like, what? What does this have to do with our job? Like, what? <laughs> what? What? Like, uh, what? What are you even talking about? But a child, like, hmm. And it could be the same thing with this white child. That was his. And we got all these woke teachers. She's in here trying to talk to us about like what? Ask your teacher. Maybe that's on the lesson plan for today. But that is a great one to be thinking on your feet. And I just, that's not what you're paid to do. I don't think any of us, I don't think Bay Area mom is paid to inform them about racism, white supremacy, what it is, how it works, definition, none of that. And anybody else on your job, I seriously doubt we've got anybody who is being paid to provide definitions of racism. Uh, Let's see. And also, she talked about she gets back on the job after a time away and the uh, she comes to speak and the peer educator what have you is you know doesn't speak we for lots of folks who have mentioned that where they have people that they work with who ignore them and you know it's not even that you all have beef or or that you did something to them sometimes that they didn't even do anything to you <laughs> like shouldn't be a problem but for whatever reason it is they don't speak that's fine. I say for the workplace, 
that is never a problem these are not contrary to popular opinion and what is said these are not my family members these are not my sisters my brothers my homies cousins uncles these are just people I work with that's it and this is just a workplace courtesy I speak to the people we share a facility for a certain amount of hours every week so I at least try to speak we might have to exchange a sentence or two a few minutes maybe even an hour of conversation from time to time about students work workplace safety even might be good to at least be on oh greetings good to see you morning morning <laughs> right all that requires even if they don't no problem just log that right on and they flip it on us non-white people especially black people so easily it could start off you speak Rhonda doesn't speak to you she ignores you every day you come in the morning Rhonda nah. morning Rhonda nah. and they finally wear you down so you try it you know you keep it up for a month after a month or so of, nah. you forget it I won't speak either then they flip it on us as I'll see you are just so nasty and evil. You never even say good morning to Rhonda. Why don't you speak? That's why you're not a team player. Like, what? I try. Speak to everybody. If they don't speak, no problem. And then maybe one day they'll explain. And they may never change. That's fine, too. You might break them down and they start speaking. That's fine. Even if they do speak, it doesn't matter. This is not an invitation to come and hang out for July 4th. We're going to go boating this summer. None of the above. Just what's good. Hope you have a great day. Stay hydrated. Keep it moving. It's not supposed to be a lengthy conversation anyway. Now, that would be another night point. You can't even say hi to the staff. What sort of disposition do you have with challenging students? Jeez. Let's see. Walmart is lame. She kept saying sad that the people look sad. I thought that was so stunning because or significant because uh, their logo is the happy face. She's saying that just the people look sad. Everything about them, the employees, and just look sad. Like try to go to Sam's Club or Costco because they don't look quite as sad as the people working at uh, Walmart. Andre Bing is the black male who allegedly the gunman from the attack in Virginia not that long ago who had worked there for 12 years before this attack. Uh, Much obliged Bay Area mom. Number again, 605-313-5164. The code 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate Let's see other folks May I be heard? yes sir uh greetings guests greetings callers and um listeners uh just first off the king and worker very difficult um listening to that one and um, kudos to them and the level of black self-respect for speaking up. The issue that I had, did have was listening to the reporter and it, it, it's interesting hearing white people interview other non-white people knowing that they're going through turmoil, knowing the subjugation that they're dealing with and 
then at the end of the interview, having a comment to the same degree of stating something like, well, good luck. <laughs> like, like they don't have any power and they can't do anything else rather than interview them and get word out. Like, they have more power than we do and they can do way more than just interview us and get word out. I thought that was interesting with that. And the other part that really sunk in was these workers didn't, when asked, the worker didn't say the first thing he wanted was a pay increase and, you know, better working conditions where I can, you know, come and get my Starbucks coffee and sit down and chill. No. The first thing he said was mental health. Not even the money. Mental health. And that stuck and struck a chord um, with me when he, when he said that because I, I even thought that he was going to say money at one point. Um, but that, that was a very uh, telltale sign. It, and I think it shows the difference in mentality um, between us as, as so-called different, different people. Um, empty working spaces, empty working spaces are plentiful here in um, where I'm located in New York City. Um, they're trying to figure out what to do with them now. Um, even though I'm working at currently right now, it's the demographics are very noticeable where it's predominantly black people coming into the office or non-white people sitting outside in the cubicles. And the white people are the ones, majority, working remotely. Um, people, people get jobs here in New York City and end up living in Florida, Charlotte, um, you name it, Tennessee, wherever. They're, they're, they're just not even going to be here, especially white people. They, they barely, if ever, come in, sometimes maybe once a month. Um, so it's definitely having an impact on um, the economy here, for sure. Um, on a personal note, I would I would speak to my significant other. She recently, unfortunately, uh, she was laid off from her job, and it was no doing wrongdoing of her. It was a new manager that came in that she reported to, the so-called, as they call them, chief people officer. It's a new term that they just coined. And within three weeks' time, my my lady, she's been at the job for six months, no problems, no issues. But within three weeks' time of this white woman coming on to the office, she was put on a performance improvement plan. And that's basically a, a roadway to getting laid off or fired, so to speak. Um, and during the process, I was just trying my best to support her because myself, like many other non-white people, I've been there. And the most important thing that I've learned from that experience, having been through it more than once, is the most is to not doubt yourself, to not feel doubt and feel like you're in the wrong, like you're the one that's not performing, that you're the one that has the issue. In all reality, the real problem is the person that's pointing the finger at you has the issue with your complexion and, and, your, and, your, and your nature and who you are. And I informed my, my, my lady, I said to her, it's not a situation of your performance. She's probably fearful that you will outperform her because you know the work just as well as she does because you've been doing it for six months. Um, 
but that being said, she she has been laid off, and she's currently in a better space. She feels better. She's not going to bed talking to me now about the work and the office and how she dreaded going to the office in the morning. It, it's, it's such a relief, and I do think, you know, mental health, as far as that goes, I think is extremely important. So I was very happy that she's in a brighter space and a better space um, as it stands right now. Um, last, and the other thing I'll say is my son recently just started a job. He's working on the weekend. I'm happy for him taking the initiative, getting out there and earning his own money at, at 16 and, you know, doing what many other children and other teenagers have done because there are people that have started younger and, and some people have started later, but I'm glad he's out there uh, taking the initiative. But I've also spoken to him frequently and told him, hey, you need to make sure that you don't get disrespected or treated unfair within the environment. Try to make sure that you are treated properly. And I question him and ask him every day, the Saturday and Sundays that he works, how is he being treated? And so far, so good. Um, and I inform him to ask questions if necessary as well. And as far as myself, I'd say that I was been a little bit, I've been in a good space, and I'm happy to, to say that I've been moved over to a better group. I work in technology, and the group that I'm moving over to would allow me to not have to come into the office five days a week. Um, henceforth, saving me a lot of time and energy, allowing me to work from home, wake up in the morning, can do yoga, stretch, workout, and push-ups, whatever, and then jump on, you know, jump online and start working, which is, is just a healthier lifestyle than, the, to me, the sedentary lifestyle sitting down in front of a computer as soon as I get into the office and dealing with the melees of New York City streets and trains, as we all know. Um, and then one thing I'd like to say just shortly is I, I did have somebody from the office that spoke to me about he, he's having issues in, it, in the office that I work at. And um, I did feel comfortable about the fact that he reached out and asked questions about what he should do. And I pointed him to the, to, to the program. And he's been listening to the program. I hope he's listening now. But I pointed him to the program, and he contacted me back um, last week, or sorry, I say Sunday, and said, that was great, really informative. I didn't know stuff like that exists, but I feel like I, I kind of got caught in a box and I didn't know how to work because my manager's trying to um, trap me a little bit and put me in a position where I can't perform my best and I needed to hear other people and their suggestions and things. So that's, um, that's all that I have for now, but that's... Uh, that was some good news to hear that uh, somebody's benefiting, somebody else is benefiting from listening to the program. And I'll meet my line. Thank you. Much obliged, good sir. Thank you for sharing. Hope, uh, I was going to say, hopefully we are not on here talking crazy and uh, just giving out nonsense and, you know, illogical gibberish on a weekly basis. Uh, but he said the person reported back that they thumbs up I guess thought it was constructive so we'll try to do better um, 
I will say Mr. Fuller does have in the word guide uh, watch that word fair uh, and or unfair uh, it is correct treatment we don't want to be mistreated uh, we want just treatment all of those are better that word uh, being treated fair or unfair suggests uh, white people are deserving of fair correct treatment non-white people are supposed to be subject to unfair conditions we are not white words super super important um that is wild though he said the person he shared the program with felt like they were caught in a box metaphor but that's such a whew, that is quite a metaphor i mean that's that's like uh plantational that's my term plantation that's like uh those contraptions that they stuff you in like we got an uppity coon here you know we don't have to do some uh punishment you know see if we can get your attitude together cuffy you know see you to behave right we're gonna stick you in the pen for i don't know till you get your act together so i don't know we'll check on you next week sometime maybe get him in there ah and you know maybe give you some water maybe they got pictures of that sort of thing indelectable i mean i had a whole visual of the box because it just sounded so plantational he said and feels like he couldn't perform his best where have i heard that before sabotage they do that all over the world and that is the desired result sabotage except generally they want it to be where we blame ourselves where we feel like we're stuck stupid defective something wrong with me man i messed up and trapped myself in this old box here like oh man that's generally the way that they want it they want it so that we don't even detect that they're doing something to mess me up so that i can't be my best here all the time i don't know if they're listening a lot but they do this all the time we talk we've been talking about this for seven years on neutralizing workplace racism maybe even longer than that years that's one of the core components of how white people practice racism in the workplace and they have so many different ways that they do this uh, where they don't give us proper training they sabotage us outright the pranks and things on the job I mean, it just goes on and on and on and it exactly what this person was saying it really confuses many non-white people because we think if we go to job go to work go to a job are working hard show white hey we show up on time I'm not here to rape any white women I'm not even married to a white woman I have a black wife I'm happily married I'm not creeping show that you're competent I can read I'm not an affirmative action hire none of that matters they had a black politician this week I could have played it today for workplace racism but I can do it tomorrow just for general compensatory calling but he was speaking this I think happened in the state like legislature publicly where uh, a white man I think another white politician asked him uh, look here Leroy if you weren't a colored boy minority 
Athlete, do you really think you would have gotten into Harvard? This literally, this just happened this week. I can read you, you know, the names and everything. If you give me 30 seconds, I didn't plan to read it today. I was going to save it. But that's what they think of us. And the goal is to get us to think that way of ourselves. It really, myself, many folks I've heard for years where it can be really unsettling because we just think just going in, working hard, being on time. They don't care about that. You stay late. You take on the extra assignments. You do an extra hard work. They don't care about that. Dumb nigger. Anyway, as for his uh, attempted partner, care mate, uh, he says this new white woman is supposed to be right sister, ally, all of that. Do my sound effect for this one since we got it. Let's see. Uh, that she comes in uh, where his wife has had no problems. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Wife come or the white woman comes in, puts her on the performance improvement plan. P I PIP performance improvement plan. As he said, the setup to get you fired where she's worked there all this time and hasn't been told that she's doing subpar work. I told you to get us something is defective about you. I've been here and doing great all this time and now and sometimes when you get these new hires, new white person who is in charge, sometimes this is simple it is as simple as eh I got a cousin in town and she needs a job. We just had the uh Rona and everything. Let's see if I can hook her up. Look here, uh Lakeisha, uh, you know what? I'm going to put you on the performance improvement plan. Yes. We will set some goals and standing. One of the ways the sabotage can work, they put this plan together that they know you are not going to succeed on this plan. And you know why? I'm going to see to it that you do not succeed on this plan. If I have to change the goals, if I have to sabotage you along the way, if I have to do some unjust networking and get some of my girlfriends to help, you are not going to successfully complete this plan. The counter-racist objective would be to see how you can use the plan and the company manual to get them to help you successfully complete the plan. But that's, you know, too late for that now. But I mean, in all of this with the understanding and every component of attempted counter-racism with regards to the workplace, white people can fire you whenever they want to, with cause, without cause. You can do everything perfectly, even from a so-called counter-racist perspective, and they can still boot you out of there. That's what the that's power in the system. So make sure that we understand that at all times. But that said, I think that's tremendous. Uh, one, just for black self-respect to make sure that your wife understands uh, what all of this is about. Uh, and I think when we understand a little bit more like, dang, son, I've seen like literally what I what I just said. Sometimes they'll get rid of a black person who is competent, qualified, great worker, been there for years just because eh, my homie needs a job. 
we were in the same sorority in college and you know gotta look out for my fellow sis not you of course darkie that's what it is man ladies gents victims but bravo for being able to talk and he said hey talking to his wife helped more willing to talk about racism and such and the dynamics of all of this I encourage everyone journal that can be really productive uh, we had a uh, brilliant suggestion from our caller in Georgia where she said hey practice your workplace writing that is very different from text messages and you know how you might send an email to a family member or what have you your journal workplace diary that can be a great chance to practice your workplace writing that's something that does not have to be uh, this is not like you're working on a graduate thesis this could literally be five minutes of writing professional writing but it could be five fifteen minutes that's not a long time right sit down quiet space you have your phone tablet whatever you sit and you write even if you particularly I would say for people if you have lost a job in a traumatic manner uh, or in a manner that was not voluntary that was not of your own decision which has been myself many of us that can be a great time especially if it's something that you're thinking about it on a regular basis uh, you're thinking about all the details about what you did what you said what you would have done what you wished you had said there is a real paucity of resources for victims of racism with regards to labor so writing even if it's just for you that can be helpful that writing could end up being the basis for you doing uh, a documentary they have short documentaries that are like uh, shorts they call them that are like 25 minutes you could do a 20 minute documentary 15 minute documentary on labor based on your experience you could do a set of vlogs dealing with different aspects of what happened to you it could be lots of things uh, it could be a blog it could be like I said just for you you can make it a book lots of things there's so many you know lots more than I could even name uh, but journal just write that down just so that you get the details of what happened uh, and what you are thinking about all of that whatever counter racist lessons you learned that can be really helpful uh, if you're in that sort of situation especially if you have time to kind of organize your thoughts around what happened that way you can have it for yourself it can certainly I mean hey we have made family heirlooms out of passing Bibles and what have you oh my goodness just imagine if you had your grandfather your grandmother's workplace diary I mean <laughs> priceless and the lessons just being in patterns what we would know about white people and what they experienced and all of that now I mean hey that's why I say too I know it's not like the most joyous thing talking about how we've been terrorized but I mean hey, once you start to share it is amazing the biggest pattern should not be shame it should be wow they do the same thing to all the other negros yes all over the world white people do the same things child pornography same thing Prince Andrew Jeffrey Epstein same thing all over the world Jimmy Savile Boy Scouts Catholic Church because that is all over the world same thing 
Incidentally, there was a report in the Washington Post this week. Just ta- I thought it was so important. I shared it repeatedly, just related to victim that we just heard from, uh, who's had the audacity to get on here and talk about his joy about not having to go into the office every day. Congratulations, said he can do some yoga. Doesn't have to do all that fighting and battling to get into the city, get on his computer. You enjoy being in your footies, just like Jeff Tubin, everybody else, not doing any jar cleaning. I can be comfortable, relaxed, my toes free. Uh, but the report, Washington Post, report links workplace discrimination to high blood pressure. It should be white supremacy racism. Uh, adults who felt they had experienced a high level of racism at work were 54% more likely to develop high blood pressure than were those who reported little or no workplace discrimination, according to research published in the Journal of the American Heart Association. By comparison, those who reported intermediate levels of discrimination were 22% more likely to have high blood pressure than were workers who reported less discrimination. Now that's telling as well. Like I would, I would prefer this be a baseline comparison against white people to really see like what the difference is, but we'll continue. The findings stem from the researchers tracking of 1,246 workers for about eight years with 319 participants developing high blood pressure in that time. None of the participants had high blood pressure at the start of the study. Their reports of discrimination, including experiencing unfair conditions or unpleasant treatment at work because of personal characteristics, particularly race, sex, or age. Examples of discrimination included feeling more closely watched than others at work, other workers, or feeling ignored or not taken seriously by a boss. Any of you felt that one? Mm-hmm. Some in the study cited workers or supervisors use use of ethnic, racial, or sexual slurs or jokes, and some said job promotions were not given fairly. The more exposure people had to racism, the greater their likelihood of developing high blood pressure, the researchers found, even after adjusting for such things as diet, exercise, smoking, and alcohol consumption. Nearly half of U.S. adults, 47%, have high blood pressure, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. High blood pressure, which causes the heart to pump harder, can lead to such serious health conditions as heart attacks stroke, heart failure, kidney failure, and more. I think these would be classified as COVID-19 comorbidities. But many people, about one in three adults with high blood pressure, do not know they have it, according to the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, noting that adults spend about a third of their time at work per day. The researchers wrote that their findings on the adverse health effects of workplace racism indicate a need for government or employer policy interventions to curb discrimination and protect workers' health. Sounds serious, right? Journal of the American Heart Association? That's big time, right? That's why we have this program every week. Exactly what we just heard from uh, our caller, New York area, his attempted care mate, 
friend that he told even incidentally i will say man he now he he did add for context that he felt comfortable with this person if you have a rapport and what have you that's great man if i worked with a black person he said man having trouble in the workplace might be racism feeling boxed in i don't know what to do hmm I'm not sure I would feel comfortable saying, hmm, you know, the GMO coon, Gus T. Renegade, has this program, might be of some help. Like, man, oh man, like, is he going to rat me out to the man, the woman? Am I going to lose my job? Are they going to do what they did, Mr., uh, make sure I get his name, Mr. Woodruff? Have the police called, have some woman with a badge and a sniper rifle or 15 of them. Get down. What's wrong with you? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know. That's, I wouldn't say I would recommend it for people that you work with. Like, it seems like that could be risky behavior. We've had folks who shared uh, the ISIS papers and Mr. Fuller with other coworkers where it did not go wet. Talk about sabotage. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, but he did say that there was a rapport, some trust. So, you know, Whew. exercise enormous discretion. Wow. Uh, let's see. Much obliged for sharing the program. Hopefully constructive, giving some folks logical, helpful, accurate information. Uh, email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Make sure I get in the emails as we proceed. Uh, email number one, uh, constructive action. Greetings, Gus. I was off this past week and took my offspring on a few outings. My offspring likes to paint, so the first trip was to an art museum in a neighboring city. Lots of interesting pieces using the colors red and black. Lots of pieces were black and or were called darkness. There was an artist from the UK. Hmm. Uh, I don't really know what this has to do with workplace racism. Like, yeah, I don't know what this has to do with workplace (laughs) racism. I'm all for going to the museum. Everyone should go to the museum. Everyone should go to the museum. In fact, they have passes where you can go for free or at a discount, all sorts of goodies like that. Take advantage. But that is not workplace racism related. Anywho, we'll save this one for tomorrow. Email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Now, let's see. Uh, Other folks who dialed in, they have commentary to share. Lines should be open. Let's see. Greetings, everyone. Retired firefighter in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, I was uh, just going to have a little commentary on the... uh, uh, report that you gave on uh, prank, prankston uh, in the workplace and even if you don't are not a participant how 
you still have to be careful as a non-white person. Uh, the fire service, it has to be in the top five as far as that type of activity. Uh, and I'm talking about in the world. Uh, as far as anything uh, that's considered to be dangerous to uh, a situation to whereas you may find you may find your image, whether it's a drawing or actual uh, picture, i.e., could even be a mugshot uh, at a on a bulletin board in your workplace. Uh, from my experience. Uh, the more dangerous ones uh, were kind of resided a little bit when the fire service started hiring females. And specifically, I'm, when I'm talking about females, I'm talking about white women because, you know, during the time that was during the beginning of uh, what is coined as, quote, unquote, Me Too, so uh, after a certain amount of uh, sexual harassment and whatnot, that sort of thing, costing uh, the county or a city where that fire service is at, uh, they kind of like uh, put that put that down so much. But it still it still takes place. It still takes place. Uh, Non-white people, you need to have a code uh, about uh, how you conduct yourself in the workplace uh, uh, from the standpoint of, of uh, once you see something like that taking place, you must deal with it immediately so it doesn't persist uh, with you. Uh, I do understand from experience, and I'm specifically talking about non-white people, uh, think of joining in or allowing something like that to make you a victim of gives you the uh, place to whereas you are willing to participate so you'll be one of the quote unquote guys or one of the one of the, the workers but I wouldn't I would not advise that I would not advise that at all. You know, uh, uh, ultimately, eventually, it has a a bad ending for one thing. Uh, I can I can mention a, quite a few uh, stories where that didn't work out with uh, the non-white person. Uh, anything as traumatic as someone placing their testicles on your forehead uh, as a result of you joining in with them type of thing uh, I have a I have a, a thought that that is that is almost common with the white culture to engage into activity that comes under the the title of prank pranks pranking pranksons uh, that sort of thing Uh that's a part. Matter of fact, the book that we are reading uh, it, it mentioned about that as a 
this is what I thought it was going on uh, at Columbine. Uh, so it's something that, that, that white people do with one another. And in the case of relation, relating to non-white people, uh, you are being victimized. You've been victimized in, in a, you know, a way that, that uh, is not going to come out good for you uh, from that standpoint. Uh, so I would advise any non-white person to be aware of that on the job. Uh, although the fire department uh, is, is kind of like somewhat different from a workplace, an office workplace, but it still is some similar situations that takes place even on the on the 30th floor in a big, big uh, corporation uh, that takes place, uh, you, you need to be aware of it and have a code to what you're going to do and what you're not going to do when you're faced with something like that. Uh, I can, I can uh, also identify with uh, the call, one of the callers who mentioned about his uh, significant other who was uh, mistreated uh, by this white female, that, that's a typical way of how white people maneuver to be able to mistreat non-white people in the workplace. Uh, it can be for all types of different uh, reasons, uh, jealousy, uh, or, you know, she outworking me, so I'll find, here's a way that I can harm this person, uh, take them out of the position they're in, or make it very difficult for them so they would leave on their own, that sort of thing. So, you know, uh, something to really uh, make plans for, counter-racist plans for, you know, uh, having a code in the workplace. And uh, that's basically what I uh, had to report today. Thank you. Much obliged retired firefighter in Florida have a code so that you're not surprised about all of the pranking joking shenanigans in the workplace from white people and even if you worked with all black people it would be the same thing like not participating in any of this nonsense in the workplace like just we're supposed we're not paid to come in and play jokes and throw water balloons at people and put a whoopee cushion under somebody's seat and all this other night i mean that's just taint even if it was that that's not i'm not doing that either that's not acceptable but i mean it can get really bad like what he was talking about we've had people talk about where they come and put urine in your chair like what who i don't even have words like it is absurd to what we heard with mr woodruff where I'm telling you, somebody, probably somebody's were sitting in the back giggling. Might have been might have been the same people who called 911, told him to go out here and do this, sitting in the back cracking their sides. Oh, we got a cranky anger. They make whole shows about this. White culture. And they've had that for like generations. They have different... Uh, TV programs where that's all it's about pulling some sort of practical joke on somebody and laughing <laughs> we got why is this the workplace like even if you are going to do all of that do that 
you're in college. Do that on your weekend or what have you. Take your children out and, you know, play some games on relatives. No, 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 no. We got to get you in the office here. What? And you put urine at my seat and all this other old nonsense. Like, no. And be prepared because I didn't have anybody tell me in advance. Like, oh, yeah, this is widespread in the workplace. Like, and don't you be a part of it because all that can easily get to a lot of racist jokes and things, too. So, yeah, do not be a part of it. And that includes, like I said, don't come once you have pulled all of your whatever and you want to come to oh look what we made videos and put that and, and, and I'm good I do not we're not paid for that I'm good thank you and I don't even think that is appropriate for the workplace and it seems he said they started hiring white women at the fire department they didn't think it was appropriate either and we got the muscle to get all this stopped right now you don't treat us like some coon or negro, what have you. I'm a white woman. Get me an attorney and have you in here. Benjamins and Benjamins and Benjamins till you learn how to behave like you got some sense in the workplace. At least pretend really good for a few hours. 30 seconds, Gus. I, I, even, heard, I even heard of a what I call a psychological excuse for this type of behavior. Uh, uh, I, I've heard to where it's some somebody has said that okay, well, a person works in a dangerous environment, dangerous a job that has a dangerous uh, 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 context to it. Uh, basically, in order to quote unquote let off steam, there's a whole lot of metaphors that goes along. This is how, this is how we play, you know, that sort of thing like that. But like I like I I will recommend and also your guest that you had on a years back that recommended or when he came on, cut it at the at the at the root. I, don't, I he didn't say it like that, but that's basically what I'm saying. When when you when you see it, cut it. Go right, either go directly to the person, or if you don't feel feel that's the best thing for you, is to go to a. a, a the authority figure on your job, the immediate one through the chain of command, what it's called when I was on the fire department, and mention that, mention that to to them, you know, to get things started as far as somebody else observing the foolishness that's going on. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Much obliged, uh, Rita. They always got an excuse for incorrect behavior uh, I can only say once again um, hey all of that is for once you are off the clock your free time go out and as the blow off steam or whatever else you need to do to unwind from your stressful activities horsing around in the workplace that'll be another way they'll call it that is not acceptable uh, I don't know why. Again, such a core aspect of white culture. That's the only reason I can conclude it seems so difficult to get people to adhere to this in the workplace. No shenanigans. Tom Fuller. They got lots of names for it. It just goes on and on forever. Tom Fuller. That's what we're going to call putting urine in my workspace. Tom Fullery. Who is this Tom Bella? When did he get hired? See his application. Uh, just to make sure that I'm not messing around. Number again, 
5-6-4. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Email untiljustice at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. While folks are getting their thoughts together, I am making sure not lying, making up things so folks know that Gus T is being truthful and this way if I don't play it tomorrow we'll still have it on record Uh, caught me off guard black lawmaker responds to white colleagues racist question and they have it in many news reports titled as such racist question Uh, and this is in North Carolina an Iredale County lawmaker apologized after he asked a black colleague if he would have been able to attend Harvard University because he was an athlete or a minority. The tense exchange happened on the North Carolina House floor during a debate over expanding private school vouchers. They got whole books about how white people started making these private school voucher programs in certain regions because they did not want their children in school with Negroes. It continues, I understand you went to you went into the public school and you went to Harvard and Harvard Law Representative Jeff McNeely said to Representative Abe Jones. And the question, I guess, is would you have been able to maybe achieve this if you were not an athlete or a minority or any of these things? Jones responded to McNeely's comments by defending his academic record at Harvard. That is so disgusting. I mean, that is so disgusting. <laughs> that's, that's what I said. Like, now, he did ask a question, but I submit that sometimes not all of these questions are legitimate some of these questions call it what the racist question as it's titled on many reports if I was white would you and the question already gives the answer you wouldn't even have asked me such a question in fact call a white woman up here and ask you think you would have gotten in school get Hillary Clinton you think you would have been that close back in 2016 to succeeding obesity if it wasn't for affirmative action you get her you get I talked about Mitch you get old Gretchen Whitmer they didn't even lynch you those white men they just convicted some of them we're gonna lynch you execute you and all that you think you'd have been governor if it wasn't for affirmative action if you're not going to do that, nah, buddy. Some of these questions, I do not need to spend 30 seconds, not five seconds. Where did you graduate from? Matter of fact, question in my record, what kind of cronyism and nepotism got you this job? Let's see your record. Got a white man wearing a bow tie and a checkered springtime suit up here asking me about my credential. You know, they you could be valedictorian they won't even let you be the janitor at Harvard you won't look at my credentials spell cronyism how about that let's see Jeff McNeely get out of here let's see is anything else oh let's see what he says so he says he goes to defend his academic record let's see what he says when I graduated from a victim victim VGQ I'm not dismissed. Mr. McNeely is the person who I'm disgruntled with just disgusted that we have to endure all this victim so he says uh, when I graduated from Harvard I was in rank two 
so I earned my place and I did well. The comment which Jones said was out of line led to several Republicans approaching him to apologize. McNeely eventually did the same. I want to deeply apologize to Representative Jones and to this entire body. McNeely said to the House, I respect Representative Jones. I think he's a great legislator. I think he's a great man. Whatever. What I tried to ask or say did not come out right. That happens a lot. And I apologize. Well, really? (laughs) They let you get on a public microphone when you regularly misspeak to this magnitude where you have to come out and give big-faced apologies? Maybe you shouldn't be on a microphone. That's not being logical. Let's see. I look forward to talking to Representative Jones soon as the session's over. David apologize. The tacky apology. They got thinly thinly veiled racism. I don't know what that means either. Uh, but this sort of thing, like I said, do do they ask white women about affirmative action? Do they ask white people, period, about affirmative action? Do they ask white people about all that nepotism? You got this job because your uncle, Alex Murdoch, old convicted murderer. You got this here job and everything, your children and everything on some old nepotism because your great, 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 great grandpappy old slave owner and everything's been shacking up in this county for all this time. That's how you got all this. And to do all that, go out and do some killing and robbing and looting. Nepotism, white nepotism. And then ask me about my credentials. Get on out of here. Uh, let's see, just to make sure that folks know I'm not making up things that did just happen uh, this week. Uh, yesterday in fact may 18 like man anywho uh number again 605-313-5164 decode 564-943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate that is another example of one you should share with your children because that is so frequent and that being some white person challenges or demands that you give all of your credentials where did you go to kindergarten at what was your GPA in fifth grade what was your SAT score and all of like are you kidding me are you kidding people will even sometimes do this in college like how did you get in here what was yours where did you go to high school Jesus Christ oh my god like are you serious the only reason you even got into school, we had a white woman who literally just said, dang, my grandfather's name is on that wing. I wonder if they're going to think I got into school because of that. Nobody asked her that question. Like, dang, see you, old nepotism admittee. I see. We had to scrape and struggle and go to all those old SAT prep courses and everything and you just got in on your grandpappy's name. She said that never happened. Much less affirmative action. That didn't happen either. Yeah. Uh, email until justice at G, uh, until justice at gmail.com number six Oh five three one three five one six four. The code five six four nine four three pound press star six one. If you would like to participate give folks like another five minutes if they have commentary or so see if they're satisfied we have any folks who figured out some things that work 
well to solve problems in the workplace. Definitely give us tips before we sign off. We're always looking for those. Any other thoughts folks with us have wanted to share? Yes, I, I think I mentioned it before. Keep a journal. Keep a workplace journal. You know, where you, you're writing something down uh, and the time and the date uh, just about every day you report to that job. Uh, it doesn't take that much time. Once you do it, you're doing it for maybe, I would say, two weeks, it will become a habit. It will become a habit that you're doing it. And what that would do, if you have to be called in, for some sort of counseling or something like that, you would be prepared. You'd be prepared. That's it. Indeed, practice your workplace writing. Get that journal. It could be on your phone. Doesn't have to be old school uh, paper and pen. Although you know that obviously would work as well, but can keep it on your phone that way you obviously it'll be a much more mobile process you could literally sit in your vehicle or if you take the train or what have you carpool uh, to and from work take five minutes take ten minutes write things down date time that sort of thing what happened names whatever try to quote things and all the rest but there you go and practice with your writing you have these notes you can keep them transfer all the rest, make it a book, and you don't have to rely on your memory. And you would be surprised uh, in terms of when those notes details may become important, relevant to you and your work situation, and even just being able to recognize patterns. And sometimes just because you have things written down, so you don't have to rely on what happened? What did she say? What date was that on? You just have everything right there. It can be much easier to pick up patterns of behavior in terms of what people are doing to you and that sort of thing. Just keep a journal can be very, very helpful. Reading, writing, researching, all more important than watching TV, all of that screen time, Netflix and YouTube and all the rest of it. Uh, any other folks commentary that they want to share caller at the courthouse in Florida should be with us as well may I be heard yes sir yes sir thank you very much sir Greetings to best the hosts, the listeners, and callers. Uh, I just had a few things I'd like to share. Observations from the job. Um, I believe I mentioned where there's been, I don't know, I guess I'll say an uptick or an increase of white people resigning um, from the job. And most recently, a white woman close to my age, maybe about, I don't know, 33, 34, who has gotten a lot of her white women friends, click friends, onto a job. And a lot of these white women, 
gonna meet the criteria. Um, like I mentioned, wearing the army fatigue type things and uh, southern gal type clothing, and just doesn't seem like they meet the criteria, at least of a high school diploma. So that cronyism, I, you know, I was thinking about that um, when you mentioned that. Uh, so we had the meeting this morning and the white people in the meeting brought that up that she's, I guess, going to another county. I don't know if it's going to be a courthouse or wherever it may be, but I think it was other consequences that came about, you know, uh, for some things that she's done throughout her history, illegitimate things, I'll just say that. And I just think that with the governor, like a lot of that's connected to, I was thinking about that, like our customers, and they see myself, other melanated people, you know, will we'll say, how can I help you? They sometimes won't even respond like they'll just you know they'll stand there and they'll look to the left or the right or they'll go to a pale complexion like a pale skinned person and try to get their help or they'll just stand there in the lobby you know I've heard this from another victim of racism um, I wanted to mention that I think the, the, the politics you know and the election and things like that um, I guess I'll say plays into it, metaphor, or it impacts it. Um, but I do have uh, constructive interactions with the public, the people. I'll add that too. Um, as well as well as uh, another thing that happened in the meeting this morning is I've been doing my own experiments where I just move from one spot. And then I'll stand in the area where I can look at the the more the most powerful white people and see what their reactions are. Um, but I did notice they didn't they didn't uh, ask if anybody had anything to say because I wasn't going to say anything. But I think they thought that I was going to say something. It was just the nonverbals. Uh, because they're going to be testing a new clock-in system where we don't have to use our badges anymore. So I'm thinking that's going to be interesting. But another part of the meeting where they mentioned some new people that was coming in, and it was two uh, University of Florida interns and a white woman that uh, that even the other white people are saying that she don't even uh, take notes and she doesn't want to use her notes. She just want to just listen and don't like to uh, ask anything about what she's being trained on. And I guess there's mental issues going on with her. So, but 
once again, it's just another example of a white person easily being able to uh, gain access to job positions. Um, and I have two more things I like to share. Uh, the black male, the new black male from last month, I wanted to ask him if he had been introduced. So, because I heard only white names be mentioned. So, uh, I went to the desk and he walked past, you know, I was sitting at the, the desk that I'm assigned. And I asked him, I said, Mr. Brink, and he came up to the desk. I said, were you, did they ever introduce you? And he says, oh, yeah, 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 of course they did. And he walked off. I said, all right, you know, have a good day. Um, And I only mention that because as I shared in the program, they have a habit at times where they will ignore a new black person or they'll make racist comments or be negligent saying, oh, were we supposed to clap? Are we supposed to clap? And things like that. And my last one is a black female victim was, I think, I guess I'll say coerced, maybe, I guess due to racism. Uh, she was promised a position at the, rec- the recording front counter to get away from the switchboard answering the phones. Um, and the white woman that is my supervisor and other white women in the clique, they, I think, uh, collectively practiced racism and ended up having the black female go to the other building. Now, I'm thinking it may be a better opportunity, but I'm saying this to say that I I think another experiment was done where the racist um, white woman, the supervisor, she was conducting an interview, and she brought a black person, a black female, to her area, almost like she wanted me to see that, okay, well, here we go, you know, we're interviewing another black person. So, hey, you know, what are you talking about? We're not racist. What do you mean? Like, see, we have a black person right here. And, you know, they're hanging up uh, or placing up a lot of discrimination uh, ads and papers for the county. And I've been thinking of looking that up as well on our website. But they still are practicing racism. And I I don't think they didn't like the black female, I guess, confronting them or calling them out, as some people will say, um, and asking them about the unjust practices they've been engaged in. And uh, other than that, they do plan to interview some more people because other people continue to leave, even the younger people. Um, um, But other than that, I'm just going to still stay focused on observing the environment and asking questions and taking notes. And that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Dang. 
He said even the younger people are dipping. I know he had already told us like the warden had retired and they had some other white people who've been working there since like forever, since before some of us were even born, uh, that, you know, this they did their 30 years or 35 years or however long they've been there. Uh, this, they're supposed to be heading out. They had their party and, you know, ride off to do whatever they do. Uh, he said even the younger people, like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. He said the other one of the uh, different installment of cronyism, white woman got her friend to come work there and she worked for one day. But I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Toxic. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the courthouse. man. Like we mean it's somebody you had to leave after one day. He said the white woman said, yeah, I'm not I'm not subjecting any more of my friends to come work with you all. Came here and work one day. She won't even be my friend anymore. Yeah. Embarrassing, man. Again, the courthouse? Like, dang. (laughs) It's giving us a bad reputation in the town, man. Uh, Let's see. The uh, he talked about the white woman. Heard that a few times. White woman is supposed to be coming there to work. She's friends with a different white person. There are many black people, many non-white people who are qualified for a number of jobs they don't have white friends to hook them up, hey we got a job opening here, you'd be grateful or even sometimes, well we don't have an opening but we got this no count coon here and I'm going to put them on a what they call it, the, the PIP the performance improvement plan and we're going to get them out of here. And then we'll get you a job. See, you got tons of non-white people. They don't have that. White people, they don't have to be qualified. And they get that sort of help. He said, uh, the people come in and they are courteous, right? At the courthouse, again, he said, they'll have non-white people who come. Hi, ma'am, sir. Or if it's, you know, whatever. <laughs> Greetings. May I help you? And he said that, They'll see a colored person. Like, oh, I don't. Uh, they only. I didn't really want the nigger boy to. to I, do they have a white person or at least somebody a little bit more pale that I can? Let me see if I can find. Like, dang! Like, what? Wow! I don't even. And he said it even. It seemed like it might have something to do with the election. Oh, oh, Governor DeSantis now said I'm for reals, for reals. I'm going to run next year. Like, oh, yes, we riled up and woo. Colored boy, don't you? I'm not going to take no uppity lip. No colored boy. Got our governor running for president and woo. We are ready to go in the Sunshine State. Like, dang. He just announced like this week and they're already getting rowdy. Come to the courthouse and get rowdy. Like, I don't even want, nigga, the boy, don't you touch my court documents. I'm going to find me a white person working. We didn't even have you to work. They're going to be really mad if they're short-staffed at the courthouse. And so now we got might have to hire some dark. Like, oh, God. Oh, oh, what is the world coming to? said, uh, it's got so bad with the hiring. That's why they might have to hire some colored people. If it's got so bad. Now you got to hire white people with mental health issues. Pause right there. Like, no disservice to anyone who has mental health issues that is really serious nothing to joke about ever hey no one who is a victim of white supremacy qualifies for mental health dr welsing said that all the time 
That's it. If this is a white person, you are coming in and they're saying, got some mental health issues. I'm like, whoa, whoa. How did you even get past the, the screening? Like, it should be stopped right there. Like, maybe you can get some help, get things taken care of, get yourself stable, feeling good. And then, because they could do that. We'll hold on to your application. Once you get right, boom, we'll put Leroy on the performance improvement plan. And then you'll get Leroy's job. No problem. Would they do that for a black person who had mental health issues? I don't know. I see a lot of black people that are overqualified and they won't even let them come in and be a janitor. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, and he said the old trifling, and I mean, he said that this was an intern situation uh, where they're coming in and, you know, I don't know. Even that, like, I just, <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine. I know you want to look out for folks and new graduates, all the rest of it, but really. University of Florida got lots of students, thousands of them. You can find somebody else. Uh, let's see. The tackiness with the black people not being introduced because we've heard that so many times. And that's that's the same type of thing, racist jokes and the pranks and all of that. Uh, they know the typical protocol. Someone gets hired. Oh, okay, we got a new hire, Rebecca. All right. So good to meet you. It's going to be great. We'll have a great time. We'll bring you some peanut M&Ms later on. And, you know, let me know if you have any questions. Stay away from the segregated section. Okay. All right. We got, you know, whatever. The black people get hired. Like, what? Huh? We supposed to clap for Jamal? What what we do? Cover, cover your purses, ladies. <laughs> just, just joking. Just joking. Not really. <laughs> what? Come on. Keep it tacky. Uh, he said the 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 brother. I think he said he did say that they did give him an introduction. So, yeah. Um, the new clock-in system, at least for me, that's one I would not be upset, mad about. Uh, I am always about if you can't be early, be on time. So if they're going to have something where, you know, it's automatic or whatever the case, great. Now, I don't know if they have folks who just come in habitually late. I think it might be some discretion where they get to come in some days at 810, 8, I'm saying if they're supposed to be there at 8 o'clock, they come in at 810, 815, 820. Hey, guy, I had to get my coffee today. That's what, I don't know. My suggestion, if you are non-white, even if they don't have all this newfangled technology which there'll probably be more and more of that might even have AI doing that keep track when people get there and such my solution if you can't be early be on time they'll just have a record of my punctuality that's all but I wouldn't be good that would be my recommendation so that it's not a big deal uh, when they you know switching over to this new technology I don't know if it's biometrics or whatever but yeah I'm all about punctuality in the workplace uh, let's see the else? Got Trump. yeah the lots of the cronyism in the workplace and 
hooking up their friends and such there that is so uh, rampant I guess I'll say uh, with regards to white people and their access to jobs how they're able to get even maintain jobs uh, in many situations oh and the leaving all of the folks leaving the courthouse like I, I mean if enough people are leaving man I would be looking for can we get a promotion opportunity maybe I can get one of the jobs on the elevator going up with the judge or something <laughs> see if we can get one of the executive jobs I can be the warden <laughs> on the plantation like uh, snicker but I mean yeah if it's enough people leave I said silver tsunami he even said that some of the younger people are leaving might even be a sort of situation I think his mom works there and they got some other black people like hey you could change the culture uh, of what's there and I would even say pay attention if you're in parts certain parts of the world you could be seeing this sort of thing happen now this is kind of a short amount of time but over a number of years could be seeing this sort of thing happening especially with the older end older white people leaving and retiring from jobs that is a major problem and it's just going to get worse and worse uh, as the years roll on COVID sped this up a little bit so if that is the case and they got openings and what have you especially openings that would be uh, upward positions promotions for you to get any of those jobs see if you can snare them see if your friends can snare them because I mean they're going to be openings more because they already are talking about that see if you can get some of those jobs especially if it's an increase in salary increase in training learn as much as you can about racism white supremacy from those positions but I mean yeah it's going to be lots of white people retiring and or leaving these jobs see if you can take one of the uh, be one of the replacements and see if maybe you can get a friend or relative too if they you know <laughs> need a job see if you can get them snare them a job too like bang we got new negro wardens on the plantation hmm. Ron DeSantis too then they'll really be upset see how the response is to the patrons then when they come in like what in the hell what hath God wrought in North Florida <laughs> sorry sorry still being courteous and respectful can we help you ma'am sir <laughs> Uh, let's see much obliged caller in Florida courtesy always about courtesy uh, and tell folks in North Florida man see if you can put an application in for the courthouse man got openings lots of them uh, other folks commentary observations to share before we wrap up silver tsunami that's what they call it the silver tsunami the white people retiring all done with all of this uh, we will be here for the compensatory call in on Saturday 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific uh, we'll chat it up about what's going on the last seven day passing of Jim Brown We'll discuss that victim of white supremacy and then uh, other important events over the last seven days. The commentary about the uh, AI, 
very important as well. Even the white people who are uh, in, own these companies that are doing the research and creating these AI programs and such saying, whoa, whoa, maybe there should be some regulation here. This could be a problem. Deception. That's the word I keep. Deception. They're calling deep fakes and all of that in a system that primarily operates by deception. This technology seems like, wow, it allows for all types of extraordinary deception. We'll chat it up about that tomorrow. Should be here for uh, commentary on Brazil Monday. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy, especially in the workplace that goes for happy hour and all the other tacky festivities as well creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy the uh, content moderators in Kenya Obama's cousins patient with them as well help us remain patient with ourselves Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. No name-calling, especially in the workplace no gossiping and no horseplay no pranks especially in the workplace no throwaway offspring invest if you think the cows is constructive hit the blog racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com PayPal button in the top right corner. Cash app links are there. Venmo, PayPal link is there as well. Uh, Cash app address, cash.app forward slash dollar sign the cows. Enormous gratitude to the folks who've invested 14 plus years. Cows signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, brother. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned.